Welcome to episode 46 of the Montana Values Podcast. In this show, we won't be talking about the hereafter. But if you're coming to Montana, don't be surprised if we ask you, what's your hereafter? Let's talk all about it with our host, Tammy Fisher. So, Mickey, have you noticed more pointy-toed cowboy boots lately? A few pair. Yeah, like many other states in the Mountain West, Montana became very popular in 2020, but it wasn't just the global pandemic that put Montana on the map. Increased tourism, a growing interest in outdoor recreation, and people searching for a better quality of life. Well, that's all contributed to the recent Montana boom. So how will the recent population boom affect our political scene? Are more conservatives moving to Montana or are there more Democrats? What about the independents? In order to understand the effect our newcomers will have on our political landscape, we need to analyze why they're here in the first place. Even before the pandemic, a trend was occurring where work-life balance became in focus. And Montana has perfected work-life balance. We even have a fair bit of hunters that take hunting season off of work annually, like three months off of work so that they can focus on hunting. So you couple that with newer generations seem more focused on life experience versus work experience. And there are many complicating factors that weigh into the decision to move to Montana. We had a FOMO movement, the fear of missing out on the Montana experience. And Montana has been romanticized for years, ever since Dan Seals and Marie Osmond crooned Meet Me in Montana in 1985. I remember singing that song as a kid in the car on long road trips through Montana because every road trip in Montana is long. And we took those road trips every summer, mostly to find a hotel with a swimming pool because in Montana, that's called a vacation, a hotel with a swimming pool. And when you look at the data, what Dan Seals and Marie Osmond identified as reasons to move to Montana are the same reasons folks are flocking here today. In the song, two singers were trying to make it big and follow their dreams of stardom in Nashville and Hollywood. And they found out that a big life isn't what it's cracked up to be, and a smaller life in Montana meant a more meaningful life. So what they dreamt of in Hollywood and Nashville was the life that Montana actually had to offer. They were stuck here in these hills they call mountains, recognizing where they were scenically didn't hold a candle to Montana's mountains and big sky. So just like Dan and Marie, we have a resurgence of city folks migrating here because they have had all of the city life they can handle and want to live underneath our Montana big sky. Now, the pandemic scared everyone. But to most Montanans, the pandemic was kind of a blip on the radar screen. It made all of us grateful to live in a state where social distancing is embedded in our culture. But in places where people are stacked like cordwood and hospitals were overflowing, those folks began to think about space equaling safety. So they seek more elbow room. And a two-bedroom apartment in Manhattan costs a million dollars, so why not buy 10 acres and a 3,000-square-foot home in Montana for the same price? If space equals safety, Montana, Wyoming, and Idaho have to be the top of the list for safe places to live. Add to the pandemic fear is the social justice movements occurring in other states. Montana has been virtually untouched by civic unrest, and those folks that live smack dab in the middle of civic unrest took notice of Montana and its relative calmness in what must have been or must have seemed to be a sea of chaos. 
No one in Montana talks about defunding the police, probably because we don't have many cops to speak of. And in many areas of the state, if you call the cops, you'll be waiting an hour until they arrive because many parts of our state are incredibly remote. So while we don't have vigilante justice in Montana, we have a healthy respect for our neighbors. And in our remote areas, folks pretty much police themselves. This is true even in our urban areas. We don't have a lot of break-in type of crime because behind almost every Montana door is a shotgun. So where thieves might not even be jailed in other states, thieves are far more likely to meet the long end of a shotgun in the commission of their crime and are well aware of that fact in Montana. So we are a safer state and our crime statistics tell the tale. Random acts of violence are very rare. Most of our violent crime in Montana is intrafamilial. So stranger crime is pretty limited. When stranger crime occurs, everybody knows about it. There's very little crime that isn't publicized in Montana. Public shaming is a big part of the newspaper content that makes us feel safer. That makes us feel like our communities look out for our residents. And who wouldn't want that feeling? There aren't very many places that compare to Montana for raising kids. And folks that live in big cities are taking notice. So are native Montanans that left the state for employment or other reasons. They want to come back. Who wouldn't? According to a study conducted by MSU Billings, around 43% of out-of-state buyers surveyed said they moved to Montana to be closer to family. 36% said they're originally from Montana. The biggest reasons people are coming here are safety, security, and COVID-19 concerns. And there is no doubt in our minds that the show Yellowstone has completely enamored folks to Montana. It's the A River Runs Through It of the 2020 cycle. Hell, I even like Montana more after watching Yellowstone, and I've lived here my whole life. According to the same MSU Billings study, 75% of real estate agents surveyed got interested buyers from California, 56% from Washington, and 49% from Colorado. Those states are pretty liberal politically. So the question is, is it the conservatives from those states that are now political refugees to Montana? Or is it just folks that are a mix of political affiliations that simply want wide open space and more recreation in their life? One interesting data point, at least for the flathead, is that homeschool registrations are up big time. Over 900 new registrations on the Flathead alone were filed last year. Is homeschooling typically preferred by conservative parents or liberal parents or somewhere in between? Can we categorize the homeschooling population by politics? And if so, and assuming homeschooling families are largely conservative, this will have a huge effect potentially on school board elections, school district levy and bond votes. With new legislation mandating public schools allow homeschool participation in sporting activities, this might help spur the growth of the homeschooling segment of our population. And for those folks moving from states where the teachers unions are making unreasonable demands like Chicago and some areas of California, how will their migration to Montana affect sentiment towards our local teachers unions? There is also the fact that it is widely known that our population is 89% white. We have very little racial diversity, and the racial diversity that we have is primarily with our Native American population, our Native Montanans. There is a fear 
by some of us Montanans that this data point gives the impression that our state is a safe haven for white supremacists. And that impression really could not be further from the truth. But with social unrest occurring in other parts of the country, combined with Montana's live and let live, non-judgmental approach to life, will white supremacists view Montana as a safe haven to proliferate their racist bullshit? Well, not if they're broke, because only the richy riches will be able to afford to move here. The median income in Montana is about $30,000. The median income in California is $32,000. In New York, it's $32,000. In Texas, it's $31,000. In Illinois, it's $33,000. In Colorado, it's $36,000. So this data tells us it's not the poor folks rolling into Montana. They're coming from pockets of wealth, urban areas. We aren't getting folks of the same socioeconomic status as we have. We're getting the richy riches. They are driving up the price of housing and everything else, frankly, because... They rely upon the service industry to meet their needs. Our point is, poor folk ain't moving here, kids. So to ask these Richie Riches to assimilate to Montana and who we are, it's a little like asking the Pope to be Mormon. The newest migrants are different. They're escaping fear of the pandemic and of the social justice marches they believe are bringing violence to their door. They romanticize Montana as they think Montana can bring them back in time to a slower pace of life and more community support. Have you ever heard a poor person romanticize going back in time to poverty in the 1950s? Hell no. So we know they are people with money who want what people with money in the 1950s had a perfect and picturesque life. Do they seek traditional values? Probably. But there's plenty of rich folk that are more liberal who move here and seek to influence our state with what I would call NIMBY or not-in-my-backyard values. They are folks that seek more restrictions in building and development, and you will see them rise up at public meetings. They buy their pieces of the pie and don't want anyone else to have a piece. They believe community desires should trump personal property rights. And we are certainly seeing an uptick of this type of activity in more urban areas of Montana. So what do all these data points tell us? People with money are coming here. People with money fall on every part of the political spectrum. Political refugees, those seeking red state politics, are probably located in more conservative areas like Kalispell and Hamilton, but those areas of the state that used to be conservative are growing more purple and, gasp, blue, like Bozeman. Missoula continues to grow, too, and that is a consistently blue city. The only common denominator to the folks moving in, it seems, is they have more money to spend than we do. And if you fear the influence of money in politics, we predict that we haven't seen anything yet. I wouldn't count out the strength of the Democrat donor base in Montana because I think that donor base is actually growing. We aren't convinced the actual size of the Montana Democrat Party is growing because it can't shake the National Party problems of defunding the police, rioting and cancel culture. But we also don't think the size of the Montana Republican Party is growing because many conservatives have been alienated by the state Republican Party. But what we do see is a growing number of independent voters in the state, because when people flee what they had, they're seeking independence. 
And that's the one thing Montana has consistently attracted, independent, free-thinking people. That's why we have traditionally had a split of political parties in our national elections. The irony of all of this is people move to Montana largely due to fear of what is happening in other states. But Montanans are also fearful that the great migration will change us. Listen to this perspective. Quote, in 2012, when I moved here, this town had one coffee shop, one liquor store, one gym, and two bars. Although income inequality was a persistent issue, we at least had a shared context. In the past several years, though, galloping gentrification has spawned a parallel set of businesses catering to tourists and transplants. First, a fancy coffee shop, then a fancy gym, a wine bar, another fancy coffee shop. Slowly, these businesses have begun to crowd out those catering to locals. This town has transformed into a town where you can purchase a $15 cocktail, but not spark plugs. The second home and short-term rental market drove real estate prices up so high that it is practically impossible to buy a house if you make this town's average wages. Last week, I spoke with a woman who lives full-time on Block Island, a popular vacation spot off the coast of Rhode Island. When the second homeowners started flocking in, things got tense on the island. She knew things were really bad when her friends stopped waving to passing cars, a tried-and-true small-town tradition. Her story gave me some hope. In this town, at least, we're still waving, end quote. Does that sound familiar to you, Montana? Well, we aren't alone. This town we were speaking of is called Marfa, Texas. What's happening here is happening in pockets across the country. How we manage the great migration politically will be a sight to see. But how we manage the great migration socially will reveal our true collective character as Montanans. Grace, patience, and tolerance. Don't stop waving to your neighbor no matter what is on their license plate. And just because we have more gluten-free bakeries on Main Street doesn't mean we should stop the potlucks at our churches. If you are new to Montana and you want to fit in, help others. Join community groups like Lions Club and Rotary. Don't jump into politics because it makes you look like a pompous ass that wants to embed in our state the crap that you left. Wait, watch, and listen. And for the love of God, don't wear pointy-toed cowboy boots. Thank you for taking us with you on your journey today. And we'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Montana Values Podcast. Consider sponsoring the show by going to our website, montanavaluespodcast.com, locating the sponsor page and clicking on the donate button. Follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at MTValues. Find us on Podbean or wherever you get your podcasts. What's your favorite Montana value? How do you live it? Write to us. Our email address is montanavaluespodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.